Thank you for tuning in to Wove Inspiration Podcast with host Althea Richardson. Wove stands for Women of Vision and Excellence, and the mission is to inspire, encourage, and uplift women and the men who love them to becoming all they were predestined to be. And it starts with restoration. Danielle is passionate about helping men and women 50 plus live a courageous, victorious, and vibrant life. She is a trauma-informed self-love coach, international author, and speaker. And she is also known as that lady on the internet who loves you. Danielle, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. So, Danielle, tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> what I do, I, well, you summed it up in a little bio. I, what I do, my passion is to help people to know they are loved and to heal from trauma in their past because of the history in my life. I grew up with a big pile of childhood trauma that I was not aware it was trauma. It was just my normal. And dealing with that and getting free from that and all the things that I've learned has led me to where I am today. It started with my first book, Emerging with Wings, where it's my story of getting free from childhood trauma and finding my value. But it was the response to that book that kept me going. I wrote that book because I had learned a lot. I had grown a lot. People had said, you should write a book. You should write a book. You should write a book. (laughs) And I didn't for a long time. And I finally did. And it was the response to that book that has really brought me to this day, seeing the need of people out there and discovering the gift that God's put in me and learning to hone that and how to reach people that only I can reach because I believe everyone has what I call God-given greatness inside them. Mm -hmm. And so I want to tap into what God's put in me and pull that help people to tap into that greatness that he has put inside of them so they can live the life he's given them life for. Awesome. Yeah. So tell the audience a little bit about what exactly happened to you. Many things. (laughs) (laughs) Many things. I would start with like, it would be like layers. You could look at it like layers. Like think of it. I look at it now because of how I'm using it in my life. If you ever seen sand art where people put one color of sand and then another color of sand and another color of sand and another color of sand, it really can be quite beautiful. Yeah. I look at it like that now. It wasn't like that when I was going through it, but that's a way to see that it layered on top of each, all the different things layered on top of one another. Mm -hmm. It started with what I've learned is called childhood emotional neglect. I grew up in a family where, you know, I had a good family, middle class family. My parents were from two different generations. They were 11 years apart. My dad was from, I think it was called the greatest generation. My mom was from the one that was after that. But they grew up, they went through the Great Depression. Uh, Both of them suffered trauma in their lives. And it has not been until the last, 
10, 15 years, I think the world really understands how trauma affects people and PTSD and complex PTSD. Back when they were raising me, that just simply wasn't a thing. That was something that people who went to war had, something people maybe dealt with if, you know, they went through some catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. Tragedies in people's lives, they didn't esteem it that. You just suck it up and go forward. And my parents pretty much did that, which I need to commend them for because they did the best they could with what they had. But the best they could with what they had was not enough for my emotional needs as a child. And I learned this going through counseling as I was writing my first book, as I was unpacking something else. I mentioned how I felt like I didn't belong in my family. I didn't feel loved and was, you know, kind of brushed that off to get to the other thing. And my counselor stopped me to go back and said, why? And I'm like, I don't know. And I kind of blew it off. And she said something went terribly wrong. And she went on to explain how a child who grows up loved, how their their relationship with their parents would be, reactions would be, situations would be. And I was just flabbergasted that that was a thing. (laughs) Yeah. So that was like the bottom layer of sand that that prepared the way for me to be an easy target for other things in my life. I didn't have resilience within me because of that, even though I'm a pretty uh, strong person, strong kind of personality person, but I'm also a highly sensitive person. Mm -hmm. So I'm sort of of like a marshmallow on the inside, (laughs) but I'm kind of strong on the outside. Maybe I was strong-willed with marshmallow. I'm I'm not quite sure, (laughs) but whatever it was that I needed that I didn't get that. My parents had no way of knowing what I needed. They didn't have those tools. But as a kid, I didn't know that I'm just growing up, you know, the same thing with them. They were just growing up. They were doing the best they could. But it's through a book, uh, Running on Empty by Dr. Janice Webb, I learned about childhood emotional neglect. So anyone listening, you want to learn more about that specifically, grab a copy of her book, and she will elaborate it on 12 different ways that can take place. Not every child goes through this. No parent is perfect. You know, a parent can drop the ball and it doesn't mean they have, you know, wounded their child for life. So relax if you're getting a little worked up, anyone listening here. Mine was, you know, an ongoing kind of thing, but I don't want to get stuck in the one part. But it was there and I also suffered rejection publicly in front of the church. As a child, I was publicly humiliated in front of my first grade class by my teacher. I lost my grandmother. Two months later, I lost my father. Four years later, I lost my brother. In there, I lost a friend in high school. Also was publicly humiliated at my school. Also had bullies. And I had a bully that specifically attacked my identity using my name, which My name, Danielle, is not the name I was born, I was given at birth. In 1988, I legally changed my name to Danielle. So that's kind of like the layers, a real quick gloss over, but it was a big pile that was just my normal. Yeah. But as I grew up, you know, because I didn't deal with any of that, losing my grandmother and then losing my dad, and I was there when my dad died, and it was horrific and awful. He died of a heart attack, and it was not pretty at all. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have a support group around us. 
And I have learned that love and nurture and support mitigates trauma. So someone who would go through the same perhaps situations I did, if they had been surrounded by love and support, someone to talk to, someone to help you process those feelings, they could have been lessened quite a bit and maybe not even left a mark. Because trauma is the wound that's left behind. It's not the incident. It's the wound it leaves behind after the incident because a person was incapable of processing that. I say that trauma is an involuntary wound. Mm -hmm. And I stress that involuntary because people who suffer trauma blame themselves for it. That's one of the side effects of it, which only augments it and makes it worse. So I had to deal with all of that going through counseling. I put myself in counseling to write that first book, but it was in counseling. I learned so much more of the trauma, validated it, and was able to process it. And was the releasing of that first book, the response I got from people just really blew me away because of the hiding of it. So much hiding of pain that blowing it off is normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm at the tail end of the baby boomer generation, which is, was quite normal in the baby boomer generation that people, they just suck it up and get over it. Right. Children are to be seen and not heard. Sit down, shut up, just take it. Very authoritarian parents who is very oppressive. There was a lot of that, not mm. all of them by any means. And, and not everyone who grew up under that suffered either. But see, that's why I said the very first bottom part, my feeling of being unloved was really the deepest root of that, that played into all those other things that hit that on the same spot to the point that I got to the point that I just tried to kill myself slowly because I hated myself so badly because it seemed my life was proving to me I didn't have the right to draw breath. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's that's a lot. (laughs) That is a whole lot. One of the things that you said that I've heard a number of times with other guests and people that I actually have counseled because I'm a, a counselor at a women's clinic here in texas is the church hurt or church abuse or even the church rejection now that's Mm -hmm. it's weird to hear that unfortunately though it is not uncommon because the church is supposed to be somewhere where we are loved and supported however again i've heard many horror stories about individuals who have been traumatized in the church. So how does trauma in the church affect a person's faith? I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for myself and perhaps elaborate on some of the people I have interviewed for my podcast, Victoria Souls, because I've interviewed this one woman. She was taken advantage of by an elder at her church who happened to be her counselor at the same time. So, mm, okay. And that it brings confusion in her situation. It brought a whole lot of confusion and shame. And trauma always brings shame. It's just a side effect of every single kind of trauma. Shame is there. With me personally, the trauma, how the Lord led me through the healing of it, which was through layer by layer, by layer until he took me to the very core of it. 
And when he took me to the very core of it, that's when he revealed to me how it affected my faith. Yeah. It affected my faith in the way that my little child self believed that God himself had thrown me away. And if God throws you away, nobody wants you. And the church responded with their rejection by refusing me to be a member and leaving me on the front on display in front of the whole church. They responded to my parents because my parents weren't going to church anymore at that time, which is why they rejected me. Mm -hmm. It was because of my parents, come to find out later. I didn't know then. But they let me come and take more classes because I'd gone through all kinds of classes. I got baptized and everything before Mm -hmm. that day they rejected me. But afterwards, they let me take more classes so I could earn the favor of the church. And then they made me a member on a nighttime sometime uh, when, you know, nobody was there. Wow. But what that did to my faith... What the Lord showed me, what that did to my faith, it not only put a deep root of an expectation of rejection in every relationship that I encountered, and I saw that throughout my life as he opened my eyes to that, Mm -hmm. but it also deeply ingrained in me the inversion of the gospel. We are saved by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. Yes. It is the gift of God. It is not by works. I mean, it says that right in there. Not by works, lest any man should boast. But in this church, they said I had to work for it. They said I had to earn it. So, I believed that to be saved, I had to work for it. I had to earn it. God was a big, bad guy in the sky. He was mean. He was hard. He was harsh. He was demanding. And I couldn't ever really make him happy because I had to earn it. But then there was always sin and there was, I was always bad. And if I didn't pray fast enough after I sinned and I died, then I was going to be going to hell. So I was always in fear of going to hell till the part where after my grandmother died and I would got angry at him and tried to prove he didn't exist mm-hmm. because I was so angry and, you know, a child. But he knew I was wounded. He, he knew that this was not inherent rebellion. This was pain. This was anguish lashing out. That's what people do when they're in horrific pain. They lash out. And he pursued me and he chased me down is how I tell the story in my book, Emerging with Wings. He pursued me and he apprehended me, overtook me with his love. And in my broken way of knowing that I just, you know, I felt the drawing. I felt the drawing and I had felt that the first time I answered the altar call, but I didn't know what it was. No one had ever explained that to me. I had never had being born again explained to me. None of that was ever explained to me. It's like I got born again, like born and dropped on the floor. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And so when he when I came back, I was I did a prayer just it was entrapped in the religious stuff that I knew. Jesus be Lord of my life, you know, I'm sorry for my sin or whatever I said. And then I basically put my hands over my head and ducked because I thought he was gonna kill me. But he didn't, and I was so exceedingly glad, which is funny because I've been trying to kill myself till then because I felt like I shouldn't draw breath. 
But he walked with me after that. And it, after that day, it took 34 years that he did not give up on me to convince me that he loved me Amen. right where I am, no matter what. Yeah. Unconditional love. I had so much conditional love in my life. Everything was, you know, God loves you, but God loves you when, God loves you if, you know, God loves you until. It was always a qualification. Mm -hmm. But he did not give up on me for 34 years. And I, the day that I finally believed it, I pulled out my phone and I wrote a little note in my phone. I put the date in there and wrote how it came through to me that this is love. Not that I loved God, but that he loved me. He loved me first. Amen. And the whole gospel is God loves, God loves you. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. He yeah. wants that relationship. That's what he wants. It's about that relationship. But when it's all about qualification, that's not a relationship. That's slavery. Right. That <laughs> so that that's why I'm that lady on the internet who loves you because people need to know they're loved. I don't care where they are. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what they've been involved with. I don't care what they believe. God loves them right there, and I want them to know that. And then they can take that relationship up with God, and the two of them can work out the details together because he is well able of taking care of all those details that humans want to dissect. Well, you need to stop doing this, and you need to start doing that, and you need to start dressing like this, and all those things. Yeah, We need to stop that. Yeah. That's where the church is doing that. I have friends that have been rejected from the church. I know people, they were involved in the church. They were involved in ministry. Mm -hmm. This one woman I know, she just had a fantastic ministry with kindergartners. Well, her husband was abusive, emotionally, physically, and sexually abusive. Well, when she finally got divorced from him, they took her ministry away from her. Wow. That is wrong. Extremely. I believe that is wrong. That is so, so wrong yeah yeah it's a lot of the stories that you're sharing i've heard <laughs> numerous times even when it comes to leaders um, mm -hmm. there was a particular young lady that i had befriended years ago she was a first lady and her husband was you know of course the pastor and everything and he was extremely abusive so much so that even before they would go to church, he would yell at her, cuss her out, abuse her. And then she had to go ahead and, you know, get herself together, put on makeup. And because as a first lady, you have to present yourself as someone who's got it all together. And he would go about his business as a pastor and no one knew anything. And she lived like that for years until she got tired. She got sick and tired of being sick Good. and tired. But unfortunately, the church, you know, always for whatever reason, decided that they wanted to side with the pastor because they found it really difficult to believe that he was someone who would do that. Mm -hmm. And that's where I always think of those wolves in sheep clothing. That they yeah. appear in one way with this mask and everything is like hunky dory. 
outside of the church, but it's not. Um, yeah. So it's 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 terrifying, and I always find myself having to apologize to women in particular that have experienced um, some form of trauma in the church because it's it ends up being to where it looks as though all churches are like that. And so they just won't come back at all. So it's, it's really crazy. Yeah. Well, it's scary to come back. I have friends who grew up in religious cults Mm -hmm. and uh, different ones in different ways. And they're in ministry in different ways because the Lord came and found them in spite of that, because he's, he's big enough. That's where I come off with, you know, I don't have to clarify someone's faith walk for them. Yeah. All I need to do is say, here, this is Jesus. I would like you to meet Jesus. Here, meet Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't go about, well, you need to stop this and stop that. And disciples didn't either when they were just sent out. They're sent out to say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, God wants a relationship with you, you know, and think differently. God is good. God is for you. God, you know, Jesus bore our sins. He took everything. Yeah. There's a song out there by New Creation Church, and I love this one line of the song. It says, no other works can qualify, mm-hmm. talking about Jesus. Yeah. Jesus did all the work, because there's good works for us to do. We're created to do good works, you know, and it's good for us to do good things. It's just good. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> but there's no other works that can qualify us. Only His can do the qualifying work. Yeah. Exactly. So what suggestions can you offer the listeners that may have experienced that traumatic situation in the church, have been hurt or even um, physically or mentally or even spiritually abused Mm -hmm. in the church, and they find themselves in like a middle road trying to decide on, because they I've come across even women that love God, but they just cannot seem to make their way back into the church. So what suggestions can you offer those individuals who have that serious church hurt? They can find fellowship with other people without going into a church building. There Mm -hmm. are small groups, support groups, Bible study groups. They can start with themselves and, you know, someone that they know and start with just two of them or someone, you know, listen to some podcasts and get the flavor of the person. You can get the flavor of the person listening. And there's different groups to something small where you can get some fellowship with someone, you know, do a U version app devotional with somebody and do some talking through what does the Bible say about that? And depending on the severity of that, get counseling. Yes. <laughs> you may need counseling or coaching. Yeah, it depends on, you know, how much backward looking you need or how much forward you need to go. It's because coaching and counseling are differing. I know you know that. So. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So it depends on what, on what you need. I mean, maybe even do, like, I don't know if you do um, consultations or something. I do a discovery call, mm-hmm. you know, a little thing for someone to just test the waters really small to just to do something because you're worth it and you're worth the fellowship with the Lord God and you're worth fellowship with the body. Whoever you are listening, you are worth that fellowship. And the body was created by Jesus. 
Yes. We are the body. And he said there would be people in the body. And, you know, none of us are perfect in the body. So we're going to mess up on top of that. But there's, you know, your friends mess up. Even people who don't know God mess up. So it's like <laughs> yeah. it, relationships can be messy, but they're worth it. And I would say start with one. Find someone you can talk to about it and then maybe add another into a little small group and, and maybe you'll find yourself in a church. You don't have to agonize over going to church. I don't believe God is taking church attendance. It's about having <laughs> fellowship with the body. That part. I love it. That part there. And a lot of times um, some women or men forget that there is a, it's a, it's a process. Um, mm -hmm. Baby steps. Just if you just are able to find that one person that you can confide in and talk to that has a strong belief in Jesus and, and, and wants to, and has the ability to impart and pour into you mm -hmm. get with that person and then start going from there and working towards whether you're going to be in the four walls or not, just in that fellowship part is what mm -hmm. will really help that uh, help them to be able to start to go forward in the things that God has for them. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and pray about it too. You know, yes. God wants you to be connected with the body. Yes. Hey, where do I start? Who do I call? Who do I reach out to? Where do I start at? You know, pray about it. He's he is part of the relationship. So, you know, lean on him and let him lead you to someone. Amen. Definitely. So, how can people get in contact with you? Purchase your books. Listen to your podcast. How can people reach you? Well, my website is daniellebernock.com. It's B-E-R-N-O-C-K, even it's even though it sounds differently. And on my website, I have a blog. Lots of, I have lots of free things for people who maybe you're struggling financially and you can't do anything financially. I have made provision for that blogs that lots and lots of articles that you could read. I have free resources. I have a whole tab on free resources on my website. My podcast, you can get to from my website. It's called Victorious Souls. I also have a YouTube channel. You could watch the videos if you want to watch instead of listen to them. Um, everything that's on my YouTube channel goes on my uh, podcast, but there are things on my podcast that are not on the YouTube channel. Just I do some special things for my podcast audience. And also I have my coaching is available at my website. I do have a new website called victoriousouls.com where I have all my courses are hosted there and I'm starting to starting a wait list for a community. I want to start a community called Victorious Souls, which we will be helping one another and supporting one another in faith, family, friends, and freedom. Because my company is 4F Media, and those are the four Fs, faith, family, friends, and freedom. So anyone's interested in that kind of community, you can go to victoriousouls.com and click on community and sign up for the wait list there. And I have everything, you can even get to there from daniellebernock.com. So I made it pretty easy, all my socials, I'm on all the different socials, but if you go to my website, you can find all those other things from that one central place. Even my books are on my website, but you can get them on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places. So Okay. And do you also do any speaking engagements? Oh yes. 
also. Yes, I do speaking. I have a profile on ChristianWomenSpeakers.com. Okay. I have and, a profile on there. Yes, I do speaking as well. Speaking, okay. coaching. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I see that you are on all of the social media platforms. So I will definitely make sure to uh, have all of that information as well as the website so that people can get your information. So well, thank you, Danielle. Do you have any last words for our listening audience? Yes. I want to remind you how powerful you are. No matter how powerless you feel, there is always hope and God has put power in you that you can change your life. Only you can do it. Only you can change your life. No one can do it for you, but you can do it. And God will help you do it if you will let him. And he loves you more than you will ever know. And I love you because I am that lady on the internet who loves you. And my mantra is love yourself from survive to thrive. And I encourage you to take whatever step you need to do so that you can thrive in life because Jesus came to give you life and that abundantly. Amen. Danielle, it has been a blessing to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be on Wove Inspiration. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Hey, you guys, this is Althea with Wove Inspiration Podcast. You have a great day. Take care. God bless. Hey, this is Althea, host and producer of Wove Inspiration Podcast. Wove Inspiration features women and the men who love them, who use their voice to share their stories of overcoming obstacles in life. Everyone has a story, some good, some not so good. The common factors for guests on Wove Inspiration are their solutions and their victorious endings. You can follow us and leave a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Wove Inspiration. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform you listen to podcasts.